They're coming to get you, Barbara. Gone. Gone the form of man. Rise the demon. Etrigan. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. Allow me to officially welcome you to the first little intro sampling tasty teaser of a thing of my podcast called Fuck You Hexed. I am two things. I'm Anthony Jerome M and I'm a bundle of fucking nerves. My brother is in the next room over, my niece is down the hall. This is my very first time recording without somebody recording with someone and so it's a little bit difficult for me not to feel like a total fucking fool just talking into the void but I hope to get over that sooner rather than later like I said thank you for being here I'm glad to be able to welcome you for the very first time now what I'm gonna do here is I'm going to try to give you a little bit of an introduction slash explanation into what it is that I'm trying to do and what it is that I want to do. Um, But also because I don't want to leave you with blue balls, we are going to discuss, uh, we are going to discuss something as well. So what this is, this is the podcast for lovers of horror and like queer content, black content, black queer horror content, stuff that's spooky. Um, I originally thought that I wanted to go ahead and discuss movies, uh, piece by piece, scene by scene, um, but I realized that's not something that I want to do. I don't want to do just that. I want to discuss all sorts of horror content like comic books, movies, TV shows. I even want to discuss those super specific scenes in like movies and TV that are purely horror in movies that are like not horror at all. My favorite example being... The scene with Large Marge in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which that scene is pure horror. However, that movie is not. So I th- th- that's how much I love horror content. Like if even those tiny little morsels are worth talking about. But also because sometimes I know for a fact I'm not going to have the energy to talk about a full movie every week. But am I going to be able to talk about a comic book? Yes, absolutely. Am I going to be able to talk to you about one of the two Halloween episodes of Martin? Absolutely. Yes, I can absolutely do that. Not only is this going to be an area where I review stuff, I'm also going to go ahead and recommend stuff. And mainly, if I recommend something, it's because I haven't heard too many people talking about it, and I would like the conversation to at least... I would like to see the conversation happen with certain content among the people that I follow. And I just realized now how my voice must sound, I don't know if I'm getting over being sick or if I'm just not as sick as I was the last few days. Either way, I've been sick. And so my voice, this isn't what it normally sounds like. I know that for a fact. So there, there is that. So a little bit about me, because that's what we're talking about, right? Like I said, we're giving you a little bit of an intro However, if you've heard me before, honestly, if you're here, you've probably already heard me. And if not, welcome. But if if you have, also welcome again. (laughs) So, actually, I do know what I want to do. I wanted to get started off with a few thank yous. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that first. Just because I think... Let's go ahead and... I would like to take a moment to recognize how I even got here. So this all started... These are the people who I consider my podcast grandparents, Podmortem, Renee, JP, Travis. Every week, every Monday, they it's a, they are the hosts of a horror movie podcast called The Podmortem. Every Monday, they go through in-depth detail about a horror movie. And what's really cool about them is, not only are they really funny, they're also incredibly knowledgeable. And also, typically, the movies that they're talking about... Even if they're movies that they don't like, it's still an entirely fun conversation. And it's just amazing. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I've met some amazing people and gained friends through that podcast. So, like, I truly appreciate all of the work that they're doing. And honestly, Shudder, I don't know why you haven't sponsored them yet. 
It's uh, bullshit. Honestly, it's probably a little bit racist. And give me a little bit of time, and I can probably figure out how it's kind of homophobic, too. So, Shudder, I'm um, not going to act like you're not on the shit list, but, I, I mean, you're, you're on there. So, Podmortem, Travis, JP, Renee, I want to thank you for the amazing work that you do because you had such you have such a fun time each week doing what you do it's truly inspiring and honestly i don't really get uh fomo you know fear of missing out like if people are at a bar or a club or a concert i could give less of a fuck but they discuss horror movies and i've loved horror movies ever since i was a kid thanks to my mom they have such a good time i'm like i want that i want to do i want that for me so that's the first thank you Second thank you I want to give out is to Miguel. Miguel is the host of a podcast called My Horror Confessional, where every week on Fridays, he discusses a horror movie 20 years or older with a guest, and the guest has not seen this movie before. They try to find out why they haven't seen that movie before, why it passed them by, and honestly, Miguel is also he Miguel also goes very much in depth and it's just it's a very it's a very fun ride because he takes what he does seriously and not like in the sense that he tries to be super professional and by the quote unquote book. No, it's just he he takes time to learn about his guests. He takes time to learn about the movie that they're going to be discussing. And it's a very fun ride. And honestly, there's a lot of movies that I don't think I would have seen if it wasn't for my horror confessional. Um, one of the bigger ones being Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer with Michael Rooker. One of the darkest movies I've seen in a very long time. And one of the most creative movies I've seen at, at you know, it's one of the most creative movies I've seen. And it's downright fucking bone-chilling creepy. And I want to thank Miguel specifically because he had me on his show twice. Uh, the very first time we discussed Black Christmas, where he found out that I hate the 70s. And then we discussed one of the peak movies of Mexican cinema, El Santo versus the Daughter of Frankenstein. And that was just such an amazing time. Always an amazing time with El Santo and Miguel. And also, Miguel did me the gracious thing of inviting me to be his co-host for a season where we discussed 70s horror movies. And it was such an amazing time. It helped me gain the confidence to be able to like do what I'm doing now, talking to nobody slash talking at you. You're not nobody. I'm sorry that I said that. <laughs> but it feels like I'm talking at nobody because I'm here in a room, only got one sock on, and like <laughs> somebody might listen to this. So I want to thank Miguel for literally taking me under his wing, showing me how to edit stuff, showing me the ins and outs and behind the scenes stuff it takes to have a podcast out there. Uh, Miguel is also just so willing to help anybody who asks for it, and that's just such a, it's kind of just a really rare quality. It's something that I aspire to be. Like I said, he's just so nice, so thoughtful, so considerate, and because of Podmortem and because of the work that we did together, like I gained a good-ass, cool-ass friend, and that's always fucking awesome. So Miguel, I want to thank you. If Podmortem, if the Podmortem's my podcast grandparents, Miguel's definitely my podcast dad. Third thank you, the biggest thank you, not that the other thank yous don't mean anything, but the biggest thank you goes to my brother who bought me this fucking delicious ass microphone that I'm using right now. Heard what a fun ass time I had with Miguel, the first, the first podcast we ever did, Black Christmas. He heard what a good time I was having and bought me this microphone that I'm using for Christmas. And I thank Miguel for giving me the confidence, but I thank my brother for even, you know, like putting the gas in my tank to even put it in my head that I know I can get to where I want to go. Like, I literally have the tool. So thank you for that. I will always appreciate that. Literally the most thoughtful gift I've ever received. And so I think that's that on thank yous. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could probably go on and on. Um, I'm going to try not to. Because, you know, when you've had a little bit of, when you've had a little bit to drink, you can talk a little bit more. And so, I, I, as I speak, I know all of this is going to be edited out. So, that's that on that. A thank you to all of you. My brother Desmond, Miguel, host of My Horror Confessional, Travis, Renee, JP, hosts of The Podmortem. Thank you all. 
all of you are partially responsible for all the mess I'm about to impart in the world. Take it or leave it. It is what it is. So now what we're going to do is we're going to get into a little bit about me. Did I say that too fast? We're going to get into a little bit about me. And I'm going to discuss some of the things that I... A little bit more on the things that I want to discuss. And also, just so you know, we are going to be discussing something after this little bit of an introduction. And just so you know, we're going to be talking about zombies. Zombies... I, I, I found out through talking to Miguel that zombies are actually my favorite subgenre of horror movies. Um, there's just so many different types of zombie movies. Like, there are super cheesy zombie movies. Let's, let's say zombie content, rather. Yeah, let's do that. There's cheesy zombie shit, super serious, super dark. There's the action zombie stuff like the Resident Evil movies, the new movie and the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are period zombie pieces. I actually saw something yesterday on Netflix. It takes place in like Nazi Germany. It was an okay movie. It was whatever. It, it was a it was a whatever zombie movie. But there's also another show that I want to talk about later called Kingdom, which takes place in like feudal Korea, and that's just an amazing show. I haven't seen anything like it before or since. But yeah, what we're gonna talk about a little bit later is zombies that do it different. So. There's that. So a little bit about me. I love horror content. I have said this before, but to me, the horror genre is the most realistic genre. Maybe that's because I'm a little bit paranoid and just a, a scary ass person. But I said this I said this before to Miguel that if I go into a bookstore, I don't think I'm gonna meet the love of my life over a, a book that I'm buying. But I can leave a bookstore and somebody might stalk me or somebody might decide that, you know what, I'm going to kill that guy. It, it, so many the, the the horrors that are like highlighted in horror content are so real and possible. That to me is why it is the most realistic, realistic genre. Even even the crazy stuff like zombies, like I don't know what scientists are doing. Uh, I know if they could bring people back from the dead that they're going to try it. You mean to tell me that they're not trying it? So even these ridiculous things. Um, what's another? Hereditary, which is great movie. I'm not going to shit talk it. I'm sorry. I'm one of the people who like it. But even then, you mean to tell me there's not people out there trying to bring back a demon so they can gain monetarily? It's happening. I know it's happening. A haunted house. There, there are haunted houses. I, I've never seen one, I don't think, but I know that they exist. Um, am I ever going to have to jump from a plane and protect the president? No. Like, it's it's never going to happen. Am I going to have to switch faces with another criminal and then hijinks ensue? No, not at all. Might I move in somewhere where there was a brutal massacre because the price was right? Absolutely. So I love horror. Horror is the most realistic genre for me. Um, also, I one of the things that I've always said, I don't know what it is about growing up Mexican. I'm black and I'm Mexican, but Mexicans love to scare kids. So for the longest time, people have always been trying to scare me. Because of that, I, I take fun in scaring other people. It's, you know, it's just ingrained at this point. So something about not being scared, but these days, finding a movie or content that can make you feel creeped out. I truly, really appreciate because it's it's almost like a high that I'm chasing. I'm like, okay, what can get me more scared? You know, because of how I view horror and how much I love horror content, I sort of understand adrenaline junkies. They're always looking for the next high. They're always trying to increase the feeling that they had before. And that's what it's like with horror. I want something to creep me out more. I want concepts that I never thought about to be able to creep me out, like, Oh, haunted pair of shoelaces? Sounds cheesy, right? But if someone did it correctly, I'm totally interested in finding out how I need to be scared of these shoelaces. So, <laughs> yes. So, horror, my mom always exposed me to horror movies. I remember the first horror mo- the first horror movie I remember watching was Scream. I think I was like 6 years old. As soon as I saw Casey Becker with her guts out, I started crying. I ran into my room. And I was like, how could my mom let me watch this shit? I just, 
I was crying because I didn't want to watch it. And my brother was crying because he did want to watch it. And my dad was confused and didn't know what to think. But yeah, ever since then, uh, my mom has had an interest in showing me horror movies. She showed me my favorite horror movie, Sleepaway Camp. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, she thinks that the first movie she saw in theaters was Halloween. And if it wasn't Halloween, it was Friday the 13th. So, yeah. <laughs> it's funny now that I think about it and now that I say it out loud. It's like, it's very, it's very much how I am. I'm like, well, I had to watch it young, so do you. And it's not even torture. It's just that some of these movies are just so cheesy and campy. It's fun to share, right? It's just fun. To, it's fun to share, right? You can... I don't know what it is about showing someone a horror movie for the first time or watching horror something with someone for the first time. It's just great to find out if the person's even scared by that certain topic or if they think it's a waste of time. Usually, horror, I think, brings about such great conversations. And so, yeah, through through this kind of feeling, my mom showed me my favorite horror movie, which is Sleepaway Camp. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into how problematic it is. Um, all I'm going to say is there isn't anybody in that movie who got it and didn't have it coming. That's all I'm going to say about that. So that's my favorite horror movie. Now, my favorite movie itself, which leads into the topic that we're going to discuss, my favorite movie of all time is Night of the Living Dead, 1968. I don't know why. I don't exactly consider it a horror movie, even though I know it is, but... I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I separate this movie from all other horror movies. I, I can't explain it. Let's just leave it at that. But that's my favorite movie of all time. I remember... Yeah, it's my favorite movie of all time. And I remember being maybe about two or three years old. And at the apartment that we lived at, we had an upstairs neighbor named Larry. And he had Night of the Living Dead on VHS. I mean, I didn't know that's what the movie was. I couldn't read at that age. But I do remember holding the movie and seeing, like, dead people on the cover, the red lettering, the black and white stills on there. And I just, I remember thinking it was creepy and just, I looked at it and put it back. And I do think it was on the TV at the time because I do remember, like, that's, I have early, early, early memories of when the zombies are approaching the house at night and Dwayne is trying to figure out what to do. I don't know why, but that memory has always been in my head. And as I got older, this because of, as some of you may know, George Romero, he didn't quite, excuse me, George A. Romero didn't quite get the licensing right. So pretty much it, everybody has free reign to post this, uh, to post that movie, not post that, to use that movie for their, their movies, uh, music videos. If they want to take clips, they can use it as well. Free reign. And I remember growing up, this movie was just, it was everywhere. Every year in, Oct every year in October, it was on TV. In a lot of the horror movies that I like to watch, it was somebody was watching it. Or there's a lot of horror movies you'll see where somebody dies and they're watching that movie as they die. And it's it's just been everywhere. And as I get older, this movie has taken on more and more meaning. When you know, when I was younger, I just thought it was zombies try to survive, what have you. When I was about high school, college, I understood. Oh, this actually means a little bit more because the main character's black, and there's a lot of significance to that. Like when I was a kid, that wasn't something I was entirely interested in, so I didn't quite get it. But as I get older, I realize this movie it means a lot more than I ever thought. It did, and the fact that it was always been a part of my life, like, in the background, and even then, like, t come October, if that movie's on TV, I will stop what I'm doing to watch it. It's just always such a great time. And then there's there's one part where, where the main character, Dwayne, he slaps Barbara, a white woman, and I just think about, when I, when I first saw it in, like, the context of, like, an adult who understands race matters... I was like, how much shit did this person get for doing that? Because, like, even today, people will watch superhero movies and meet the actor who plays the superhero, and then they'll complain online, oh, 
Captain America wasn't a nice guy. He 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 wouldn't adopt my kids. I don't know, just fully expecting these people to be their characters. And so because we experience that these days, I can only imagine what it was like in the 60s where white audiences saw a black man slap a white woman. I, I imagine the death threats he got were like very real and at his doorstep. So yeah, that <laughs> so yeah, that's my favorite movie of all time, and this is going to lead us into what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk. Eh, I'm going to be talking. Not, I'm not going to be going into too much detail because the things that I'm going to be recommending, uh, I want you to watch them for yourself, and maybe uh, maybe later on down the line, if maybe later on down the line we can go more in depth. But because I do want there are things that I'm going to be suggesting that I want everyone to experience fully. And, you know, maybe you'll never watch it, so you want the spoilers. Then maybe it'll happen later. So the thing, as I mentioned earlier, the zombie subgenre, it's it's absolutely my favorite subgenre of horror movies, just because there are so many good entries into that subgenre. There are so many shitty entries and what we're talking about specifically is we're going to be talking about the entries that do it differently. Uh, these are some of the most unique stories in zombie telling that I've ever seen. And I think they're worth the watch if you're a horror fan and if you love the zombie subgenre. It's If you haven't seen these things, you're going to love them. I, I, I guarantee it. And we can fight about it online if you don't agree. I'm willing to have that conversation because I'd like... If you watch these things and you don't like them and you have better in mind, please let me know because I'm trying to find out. And just the thing about me, if I've seen that there is a zombie, anything, right? A show, a movie, a cartoon on, I will stop what I'm doing to watch it just to see if it's good. And just because I do want to, you know, I'm going to put my cards on the table here. These are some of the things, this is some of the zombie content that I find good. So we have Planet Terror. Robert Rodriguez, not Roman Rodriguez, now I need to look it up. So we have Planet Terror by Robert Rodriguez in 2007. Um, it's by no means different, it's just good. I really liked it, it's an enjoyable movie. It does have that, no, I was going to say, I was going to say it has that gritty feeling of the 70s that I kind of like and dislike, but no, that's not true, none of that's true. It, it's just a good movie, I'm sorry, I like watching it. Planet Terror, Train to Busan. Uh, Train to Busan is a very, Train to Busan is, it's very emotional. It's, it's definitely heartbreaking. Um, the zombies are definitely more of the same. The coolest thing, this movie does do something different though, and the zombies can't see in the dark. Um, I think it's just always really cool that even though that they're overwhelmed by their numbers, they do still have some chance of going against this group. So I really like that. But also, it's just a really good story about a father and his daughter. And I don't know, hopefully this isn't spoiling it. You know what, just anything I'm about to say, there might be spoilers. However, I'm going to try not to. But Train to Busan, it's a really good story about a dad who really wasn't doing enough for his daughter, who then ends up doing everything he can for his daughter. It's a fantastic arc. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic story of how far somebody is willing to go once, you know, they get their head out of their ass, which is the case for a lot of us, right? You know, how many of us have our heads so far up our ass we think shit is sunlight? I'm not going to say me, but I don't think I have to at this point. So Train to Busan, uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, those movies, they're just fun. They're, they're shitty. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. They're not shitty, but they're just like, it's it's nothing groundbreaking, right? Well, you know, one of the cool things about those movies is when the zombies rise, they don't die. You can cut off their head and do whatever you want, but they don't die. I think that's a really cool thing because then how do you eliminate this, what's the word? Terror. So I always thought that was really cool about that. So I do like the Return of the Living Dead movies. Day of the Dead, um, that's just a fantastic movie because I don't know what the fuck is going on with the man who slapped the woman. That queen was just causing scenes and stunts all over the place. And like, I don't appreciate him slapping the woman who was trying to help him, but I do appreciate the dramatics. We don't get enough of that. And you know what? The Dawn of the Dead remake was really great. I would love to see the original, but because we know 
the guy's an asshole and won't let it go to streaming because he wants to sell it for more money. Some of us, some of us may never watch it unless we find a physical copy. But Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead remake, absolutely fantastic remake. It's it's scary zombies that run fast, as in like zombies that run fast. Like with 28 days and 28 weeks later, that's always scary because if something's coming at me that quick, I'm not running anywhere. They're going to get me. So these are some of the good entries into the, you know, some of the most common, not common, some of the more well-known entries into the zombie genre. Some of the ones that like I think we can all agree on are just pretty great. And so I'm going to talk about the ones that not too many. I haven't heard too many people talk about it talk about them and i'm not gonna say that people don't i'm just gonna say like i only follow like 400 people on twitter right so i don't know the wide conversations that are happening on the internet but amongst the people that i do follow amongst the people who do like zombies these are some of the things they've probably i'm gonna be talking about four things specifically uh they are let me see one of them, no, two of them are shows, and two of them are movies. You, some of the people that I follow, they've seen about half of these. None of them have seen, none of them have seen all of these things. So, yeah. So amongst the people I follow, out of the four things that I'm going to talk about, they've seen at least two. Nobody has seen all of the things that I'm going to be talking about, and so that's what makes me excited to give you this recommendation. In this show, I'm going to be recommending, I'm going to be reviewing, and I'm also just going to be probably just drinking and talking a little bit of shit. And when I can't finish the show because I've been drinking a little bit too much, then I'm going to pass it over and my my co-host will go ahead and take over from there. And speaking of which, I think it might be time for my co-host to take over because I have been drinking. Um, so yeah, just one minute. What's up? I'm <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it is time for my alter ego Jerome to make an appearance because that's who comes out when I've had a when I've had a bit to drink. And Jerome is going to go through the rest of this and talk about the four horror, not horror. I want to talk about the four, not pieces. I don't know. The four zombie things that I don't know anybody who has seen all four of these things. So the very first thing, I'm not going to spoil too much of it um, because this is the show that you need to watch on your own. Uh, if you like zombie content, like I said, if like this, this is for the people who love zombies. If you like zombies and zombie content, I don't want to spoil any of this for you because I definitely would not have, I definitely would not want any of this spoiled for me. So the very first thing that I want to talk about is the Netflix show Kingdom. It is a Korean period piece that also includes zombies. Now, what I love about this show is it takes place, the description I read, I believe says feudal Korea. Now, it you it's it involves a royal family and there is so much drama the king the king has a son and the wife of the king dies and so what happens is because the wife the queen the queen dies the king then takes on a new bride and what happens is this bride becomes pregnant she's with child and it's they they all they all understand that it's going to be a boy and the thing about the drama that the drama in this show is if the new queen does give birth to a boy the previous son no longer has a claim to the throne now i love that kind of drama it's very game of thrones kind of bridgerton ish like i if there were no zombies involved i would still watch it for this show um hopefully i'm not getting off too much hopefully i am not getting on too much of a tangent here but if any of you know <laughs> who the fuck would if any of you know 
the wife of Woodrow Wilson, Edith Wilson. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was one of the presidents of the United States, and he fell ill for like a year. And instead of letting the vice president take on the responsibilities of the president, what Edith Wilson did was she would take all of Woodrow Wilson's like work. She would say like, oh, yeah, OK, great. Thank you for giving me his work. I'm going to go talk to him about it in the bedroom and then I'll let you know what he says. Um, so basically what she was doing is she was taking all of the president's work and then basically making policy decisions based on what she thought would be best for the country. And she is unofficially known as the first unelected female president of the United States. The reason why I bring her up is because there is kind of that situation going on where you see the queen as the figurehead and you don't really see the king and we, you don't know why until later. And it's the lengths this woman goes through. Amazing. Like I said, it, it's so dramatic. It is so drama filled that if this show had nothing to do with zombies, I would still watch it. And also the reason for, okay, so like I said, the topic of zombies, we're talking about zombies who do it different. The zombies in this show are also different um, based on how, so these zombies, they kind of hibernate. And so this allows people to think that they actually have a certain period of time where they can go about their business and the zombies aren't something that they need to worry about because they're in their hibernation or sleep period. So watching these people figure out the weaknesses and the strength of the zombies, it's really great. And it's everything that I'm going to say about everything I'm talking about, I have neither seen since or before. And Kingdom does a really great job of mixing drama, a different kind of zombie, and Asian horror that um, I, tip, I, I, think, I think you all know enough to understand when I say Asian horror it's, it, is its own beast. What 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 they do to increase the creepiness factor is not something that's typically done in the United States. Like they'll have cracking bones, super sharp movements, and like popping limbs, and it's just like totally creepy. Like they're gearing up to fuck you up, and it's something that's just it's like a from my understanding, it's like a staple in Asian horror. It's 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 fantastic. It it can only be done by them. Like, the United States could not copy that if they tried. Speaking of Train to Busan, you know there's going to be a remake called, like, Last Train Eddie New York? I'm going to watch it, but I'm fully prepared for that shit to be ass. Fully prepared. Like, there's no... Just... I'll stop myself there. So, Kingdom. It's on Netflix. Um, I don't know if it... So maybe Walking Dead has nothing to do with this, right? But I think The Walking Dead tried incredibly hard to be dramatic instead of just all gore and horror and killing. And what, in my opinion, what The Walking Dead did was they turned themselves into a soap opera with zombies involved. And it all got very boring. It got very... It it just wasn't cool to watch. Uh, Like, very early on in the seasons when the wife of the main character, Rick, was, like, whispering in his ear, very Lady Capulet. Not Lady Capulet. Let me find out. Let me find out. No, okay, so we're just going to cut that out. But there, there's a portion of The Walking Dead where it does get very Shakespearean, where the wife of the main character is, like, whispering in his ear, trying to get him to do things he never really thought about, and she's pregnant, and... Nobody knows if it's really by her husband or the man she was hooking up with when she thought the world ended. And to me, it just really fell short. It just sort of hit the boxes of like, what can I do to make you feel as if something scandalous is going on? And to me, it really falls short. However, Kingdom, what's the opposite of fall short? Fucking knocks the ball out of the weasel. I don't know. It's amazing. It's great. Like Kingdom, super dramatic. It is very fucking creepy. Um, these people are going through their personal struggles, and it absolutely is fantastic to watch them go through their struggles. Meanwhile, they know that if, <laughs> meanwhile, they know someone's trying to eat their ass, like not in the good way. So 
Kingdom. I recommend Kingdom. If you have not seen it, please watch it. I if it if it takes if you're not in love by the end of the first episode or the second, then it's not for you. But if you like zombies, it you're gonna love it. Honestly, you probably already seen it. Um, so another thing, when, so we're going on to the next one. This is on Shudder. It's a movie. It's called The Sadness. Um, it is probably one of the most violent movies that I've seen in a while. Um, I'm definitely not going to give too much away here other than the fact that this isn't... Okay, once again, these are all instances of zombies that do it different. But I do love how the ins- the infection spreads. I don't exactly know what the infection is. I don't know if the infection is giving in to your negative thoughts and then you give in to your base desires. I don't know if the infection is a result of seeing something incredibly violent and then they mimic that. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. I do just know that in regular zombie content, um, people get infected by something and they are driven by their desire to feed. And so they just eat and eat and eat. They're, you know, they they could be eating something right then and there, but if they see something moving, they're going to go onto that and try to eat that. Um, so I kind of like in the sadness how the need to feed wasn't the only desire that these quote-unquote zombies were feeding into. Uh, feeding into. Um, I They were giving into the desire to f- for sex, um, to inflict pain, especially on those who they feel have infi- inflicted pain upon them. Um, I would say, uh, you're if you like zombies, you're probably you. There's a possibility that you might not like this one, but I do really enjoy how violent it was. I do really enjoy how scary it was because there are there's one scene specifically that takes place in a train car, and oh damn. I'm sorry. I'm just coming to the realization that one of the things that I'm going, <laughs> one of the things that I'm going to talk about later, actually has another scene in a train car, and I just find it truly terrifying for something to take place in a train car because <laughs> you have nowhere to go, even if you wanted to run, there's nowhere to run to, so you're just you either you figure it out, which you're not probably not going to, or you wait till the train gets to the next stop which is all most people can do. So there's a scene that takes that takes place in a train car where if there was no zombie element to this, this shit would still be scary. Somebody just starts stabbing people and causing all sorts of mayhem on the train. And like I said, if there was no zombie aspect to this movie, that shit would still be scary. Because what are you going to do? I know personally, if somebody's on the train stabbing people... I'm not going to square up. I'm not going to go up and like, hey, you need to stop that. Like, I, I'm I'm looking for the emergency exit. I'm going to see if I can call somebody on the... Usually trains have like a little button so you can call the conductor. That's me. So the sadness. The sadness is something I also want to recommend. If you like the zombie subgenre, I'm going to assume that you probably like gore or that you're okay with it. Or that if you watch zombie movies, gore is something that you want to be a part of it. Like I, if, if I'm watching something with zombie content, not, excuse me, if I'm watching a zombie, anything, and there's like no blood, no gore, no biting. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? I, I I don't get this. So yeah, there's (laughs) gore violence. Yeah. If, if, if that's not a part of it, then I, I'm, I, I begin to question like, well, what am I really watching here? So that's number two. Once again, just to recap, we talked about Kingdom on Netflix, The Sadness on Shudder. The next thing I want to talk about, and this is um, this is a movie. This is a movie called Pontypool. I would have never... This movie came out in 2008. I would have never heard about this movie if Podmortem would not have covered it. And the only regret I have about watching Pontypool is I watch Pontypool... Maybe a few weeks before I watched The Sadness for the first time. And the only reason I regret that is because these two movies specifically 
are so different from the rest of the, the zombie movies that we typically see. I hate that I saw them so close together because <laughs> because because of that, I've been yearning for zombie content that's a little bit different. So, you know, Pontypool came out in 2008. I almost feel as if it was hidden from me. A tad bit offended that, like, no one told me about it or that people don't talk about it a lot more because this, like, if you like zombies, this is, it's, it's, it's a fantastic movie. It's totally creepy, slightly claustrophobic. Um, it's, um, let me see, what do I want to say? So the two things that I want to talk about in regards to Pontypool specifically the way that people get infected is the most unique way I have ever seen people get infected. Uh, I am definitely not going to spoil it here. And I do apologize because Pontypool, it's not streaming anywhere. You do have to rent it. Um, so yeah, but the infection spreads in a way that I've never seen before or since. And it is it is a little it is a little crazy it is a little crazy how the infection spreads but it's so unique it is I, yeah I'd have to say it's probably the most unique way I've ever seen infection spread in a zombie movie um, so not only that but this movie has something that I actually also really 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 love so me personally I'm a podcast lover if I'm going on a trip podcast uh headed to work podcast i'm doing the dishes podcast there's an element in this show because this show does take place at a radio station where they do have a weather correspondent and this weather correspondent they're telling us what's going on in real time they're seeing people eating people they're seeing people fight each other they're seeing people break into buildings and i really love it because it sort of reminds me of the the War of the Worlds broadcast, where <laughs> the guy was just describing the aliens touching down on Earth and destroying buildings and killing people. It gave me a lot of that. It gave me a lot of War of the Worlds, where this guy is just trying not to shit his pants, talking about how people are eating people, buildings are on fire, he doesn't know if he can make it back home safely. There's also a portion where he's hiding from zombies, what we're going to call zombies, and it's it's incredibly suspenseful, it's incredibly scary, and really effective. And in movies, typically, it's like, you need to show me, not tell me. But in this movie, it works better that they're telling me and not showing me. And I really, really love that, because it's super effective. It, it, it's... If you've, ever, if you've ever been on the phone with somebody who's going through a really serious and scary situation, it gave me that sort of suspense and tension. It was fantastic. I, it's, it's a really great movie. It focuses, on a, it focuses on a radio host who plays by his own rules, drinks on the job, and is reporting on a situation happening in real time that we know is like a sort of zombie outbreak. And the aftermath of that. It's it's really fantastic. It is all of these, all of these, what is it, programs, projects, all of this is incredibly unique. And so, Pontypool. This, once again, this is a recommendation. I don't want to get too much into depth because I think if you haven't seen it and you like zombies, you need to. So the last thing that I'm, that I'm going to talk about, and... This is the thing that I did want to get more in depth with because I have literally heard no one that I know of talk about this show. Um, and I don't know, uh, <laughs> it could be maybe that this show is just not good. <laughs> maybe that's why people don't talk about it. Maybe it's the fact that this show is almost 10 years old. And so who would talk about it, right? But this is the show called In the Flesh. It is on Hulu. And when I first heard about this show, I think it must have been... So the show came out in 2013. Season 1 came out in 2013. Season 2 came out in 2014. So I think I heard about this show in 2015. And I randomly found it on YouTube. This was back when I was like in the trenches. I only watched stuff on my phone. And it was only in like 240 or 360p. But because I was so in love with the story that I was getting, watching this show in such <laughs> shitty fucking quality, 
still brought me a ton of joy. Enough enough joy to where I want to tell anyone who will listen about it. Like it's a fantastic show that I've like I said I've never heard anybody talk about it. I do I will warn you though. This show is only two seasons and it, the first season has 3 episodes. Season 2 has 6 episodes and the show was canceled before this um before the show could come in could come to its conclusion at the end of season three. So this story is not complete. However, however, despite this story not being complete, it is still worth a watch. Um, season two is better than season one, and season one is a fantastic, it, it does a fantastic job of laying the groundwork of what's going on, what is the world that these people live in, and what is the situation that people what the situation is. Now, I want to say, if you're the kind of person who does take issue with stories not being completed, this movie was totally ripped off by a movie called The Cured, which does have Elliot Page in one of the lead roles. Now, one of the weird things, this movie came out in 2017, right? The Cured, a ripoff of In the Flesh. Um, so, The Cured came out in 2017, it has been on Hulu since 2018. I saw it there a few months ago because I was thinking about watching it again. And when I decided that this was going to be my topic, I was going to watch it again. So as of at least a few months, The Cured has no longer been on Hulu. But if you'd still like to get the same, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to get a watered down version of In the Flesh, I definitely recommend watching The Cured. It's still there's still a lot of cool conversation points in in that movie it's still uh even though this movie even though that movie doesn't do a good job of laying the groundwork giving you the full story it is still quite a unique not in its own right but amongst other zombie movies it is still quite unique now I don't know, maybe Hulu knew I was going to talk about it, and they're like, nah, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. We're, we're not going to let people watch this for free. So I don't, I don't know what happened. I just have to say, if you like zombies, the show is superior. It, you, will, you will like the show way better than you like the movie. So I am going to go into a little bit of detail about the show. I am going to go into a little bit of detail about the show. Not too much. I'm not going to give anything away. So as I said, this show starts off in 2013. It's about four years after an event called The Rising. This is... The Rising is an event that took place in 2010. People who died the year before in 2009, they come back to life and they start eating people. The exact same way that we know zombies to do. So in 2009, the people who died in, 20, in 2009... They come back to life, they rise from their graves in 2010, and this is an event called The Rising, and this lasts for roughly three to four years. Now, in 2013, around 2013, is a cure is found, which reverses the effects of what's called partially deceased syndrome. So we don't call them we don't call them zombies. We don't. They're not called zombies. If you want to be politically correct, you call them people who suffered what they are called is people who suffer partially deceased syndrome. And if you want to be derogatory, they call them rotters. Like, you know, they're dead bodies, they're rotting. So yeah, uh, PDS for short, partially deceased syndrome. And one of the things, the reason why I really wanted to talk about this show and the reason why this show stuck out to me so much is because, and we're ignoring the ripoff movie. There, I have never seen a movie or show or read any sort of comic book that takes place after a zombie outbreak. Um, we're always sort of left with the apocalyptic aftermath, right? Um, the government's no longer a thing. People are trying to fend for themselves. But no, there's actually a cure found. And what happens is this cure is given to people. And if those of which who can return to like their quote-unquote normal selves, their functioning selves, the, the the version of them that doesn't want to eat people, they're integrated back into society. Uh, those of which who can't, uh, those who the medicine doesn't take, they're killed and they're executed. 
And one of the re- one of the really cool things that we see about this show is early on, um, we start off with our main character. His name his name's Kieran. Um, what we see is we see somebody in a grocery store, and we see that they're really afraid. And what happens is a zombie or somebody <laughs> somebody who's partially deceased, they attack this this living person and they bash their brains out. And we're seeing it from the the main. We're seeing it from the point of view of the main character. And so the main character and this other zombie start eating that person's brains. Now, what happens when you take the medication to sort of get your system right, you have these intense flashbacks. So that's what that's how we start the show. We start the show with somebody having a flashback of him eating someone's brains. And then we see he has this flashback because he's getting that medication that turns him back into a a member of a society or a member of society that he was before he was partially deceased. So I I think as soon as we get going immediately, I'm buckled up. I'm buckled in. I want to see what you're about. Let, let's fucking go. Now our main character, Kieran, he's at this facility where people who were previously deceased, they're getting rehab, they're getting their medication and also therapy and something that leads into the overall, arcing story of the show is as our main character Kieran is in group therapy one of the people in group says well why do we even have to why do we even have to take this medication like wasn't it God who brought us back wasn't it you know somebody had to bring us back from the dead who's to say how we came back isn't right now because it is so short and because it is not a moment that's like really what's the word like they don't they don't drag that moment out. It's just a really quick, like, oh, well, I, th- I think we were fine just the way we are. Because that wasn't really drawn out. You don't really understand the gravity of that situation, how this is probably not the only person who thinks that way. Like, they came back from the dead and they think they're fine, and society is now trying to get them to be the way that they used to be and no longer the way that they are. And I'm pretty sure, you know, our main character he's also gay so i can only imagine him hearing something like that he's already heard it before and i can see the struggle there like where you tell people you're gay and they're like oh well can't you be normal he's like but this is how i am why would somebody make me like this if it's not right i can totally see that exact same logic going to somebody who was brought back from the dead you know (laughs) you know i was dead something brought me back and the way I was brought back isn't right. So there, it, I'm stumbling over my words, but it's just, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to think about. And everything that I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to tell you anything that's in, everything that I talked to you about, it's, all of this is in the first episode. I'm not really spilling anything that's happening in the, in both seasons or overall, but this is in the first episode. You really, like I said, Season one, it's only three episodes, but it lays the groundwork really well for the world that these people live in, for the situations that they find themselves having to deal with. And no zombie content has done this before or since that I've seen. I will say that that I've seen. So um, as um, so going back to group therapy, we find out that there is somebody who does feel as if that this cure is kind of just all bullshit. Like, you're telling me that I came back from the dead and I didn't come back right? Uh, your little human science, it's, it's, it's not enough for me. So we also learned that there actually is this sort of like underground movement going on amongst people who were previously deceased. And they believe themselves to be the superior life forms because they were brought back from the dead. Um, this, is, this is an element of the story that is overarching that we learn about in the first episode. Like, we do learn about that there is a zombie underground, and they think that they're superior. I mean, I I don't think I've ever died before, but if I came back from the dead, you're not going to be able to tell me much. I, I, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to put your rules on me because I... Clearly, I don't follow the rules. I came back from the dead. So, you, you know, your little man-made laws and medicine, you can keep it. Uh, no, so I don't really care. So, even if even if all this itself, the zombie underground, reintegrating back into 
normal society after being dead and having killed people. That's one of the things that we find out in this show is like, even though these people do get their medication and they're no longer zombies, people still look at them and know that like, hey, you killed people, you ate their brains. So they're not welcome. They're not, you know, nobody really wants them around. So the marginalized groups can definitely understand easily why every aspect of like regular life is so fucking difficult. Like it's, it's difficult to be marginalized within itself, but imagine you came back from the dead and you killed people. It's, it's not going to be easy for you. And there are laws that this, that like prohibit discrimination, but like this show takes place in a very small town. So yeah, technically it's illegal to kill somebody who was, if you shoot them in the head, they die. It is illegal to kill someone who was previously deceased, but in the long run, it's going to be like, mm, well, you know, maybe they attacked you, or maybe they were being really aggressive, or uh, they 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 came at you. It's very, it's very that. Like they'll the the cops will find reasons, <laughs> the cops will find reasons why you murdering them was totally justified, even though these people who do who do come back from being previously deceased, partially deceased even though they do try to integrate back into society, even though they don't kill people, even though they want to live the life that they had before they died. So it's a, it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I want to talk about, because I, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. I want to talk about the things about this show that I love the most. Once again, all of this information you get from the very first episode. So I'm not spoiling anything. I just, I'm deeply recommending. I'm deeply recommending it. If you love zombies, please watch this show. Number one is the concept. This was the first zombie anything that I've ever seen that takes place after a zombie outbreak. And I don't mean after a zombie outbreak in the sense that, oh, they're living in an apocalypse now and... They got to walk 10 miles for clean water and nobody's washed their ass in weeks. No, 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 no. It's they found a cure. People who are zombies can be back to normal. And now the zombies have to try to integrate into regular life. It's fantastic. And and one of the things about this show is. One of the things about this show is. Everybody. All the dead who came back from all of the dead who came back to life, when they bite someone or when they eat someone, the person doesn't get churned. So this this story exists in a world in which a cure could be made. So only a limited number of people came back from the dead. And when they bite somebody, nobody else is getting churned. So it, it, it this is a this is a really cool detail because it doesn't mean, you know, one person bites one, and then they both bite two people, and then everyone else, you know, the number doesn't keep increasing and increasing about uh, increasing in regards to who's infected. So this story does exist because no one else gets turned, and there's even a little <laughs> there's even a little bit of a running gag in the show where like when people get bitten they think that they're going to turn into a zombie and like people get bitten and they all freak out and they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to turn into a zombie in 20 seconds flat. And, and they're like, well, I saw it in the movies. That's what happens. And it never happens. Nobody gets churned because they were bitten. And it's, it's like, it's a really funny joke. Like you see people who they think they're going to get turned into a zombie. It's also a little sad too. Um, some people have uh, family missing and they think, oh, well, they, you you bit them, right? Okay, cool. Well, they'll come back eventually. And it's like, oh, no, that's, that, no, that's not the case. So, you know, it, it's as funny and it, and it is used to be sad. That belief is used to be sad at some points. Um, the second thing that I really love about this show is the relationships. Now, there was something about the relationships that I just found to be so real um, as I said, our main character is Kieran. And we see Kieran at the facility where he's getting his medication and getting ready to go back home to his family so he can, you know, be a normal member of society again. And before he leaves, he's asked the question, who are you most excited to see? And you can see that he's visibly excited 
And he's like, oh, I can't wait to see my sister again. And what he doesn't know is that his sister became a member of what's called the Human Volunteer Force. And this this is a group of people who, during the Rising, they went out on patrols and they killed people who rose from the dead. And it's just incredibly... Like, it's not heartbreaking, but it's very sad to see that he was so excited to see his sister. And then when they first meet, he finds out she's a part of this group and she wants nothing to do with him because she dedicated the last few years of her life killing people like him. And so their relationship, it's its totally rocky. And to see them navigate that, it's, it's fantastic to watch. And there's another relationship. There is another relationship that happens with uh, the best character in the show. Now, we don't meet her until episode two, but she is the best character of the entire show. Her name's Amy Dyer. So funny, so cool. And what happens to her as season two goes on, it's fantastic to watch. It's, I keep saying fantastic, but like if you are a fan of the zombie genre, every little thing that happens to her, you're like, this means something. Something's happening. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on you. So Amy Dyer, she's the best character of the entire show. And there's a really amazing conversation that we hear where before she died, she had leukemia. And that's what she actually died of. And the quote that I have from her in regards to how she felt about her leukemia was, it's like I got put on the bench before I even got a chance to play. And that makes sense because there's so many people who there are so many people who die who feel as if they didn't get a fair chance. They feel as if they didn't get their chance to live their life the way that they wanted to. And so she takes coming back from the dead as the biggest treat, and understandably so. And during this conversation with Kieran, she asks Kieran, like, well, how did you die? And this is where Kieran exposes his wrists, and we see that he actually killed himself. And so the relationship between somebody who killed himself because they wanted to die but came back and a person who died and didn't want to but came back, it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic that, it's just a dynamic that I've never seen before. It's a dynamic that I really never was even able to conceptualize before seeing this. And so in the way that they interact, in the way that they interact with the world around them, you can see that they are exactly the people who fit those circumstances. Somebody who didn't want to die and came back, somebody who did want to die and came back. And it, it it's 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 cool to see how they interact not only with each other, but the world around them, because they do interact with the world around them as these people. And there's even, uh, I'm not going to get too much into this one, but there's a relationship between a father and a son. And the father, um, so the son was in the military and he's gay and he died, but he came back as a zombie and the dad didn't want to accept that he was a zombie or dead, a zombie or gay. And so just also this, this dad is the head of, the human volunteer force, which hunts and kills people who came back to life. And it's just a fantastic commentary on how people will decry what you have going on in your life. Meanwhile, in their own home, they got the exact same shit they're crying out against. It's fantastic to watch because it's like, why are you, why are you all in my business? Like you should be mad at yourself. You, <laughs> whatever you're trying to kill, you're like, you're trying to kill all these other people, but the exact same things you're causing a fuss about, are the exact same things we need to worry about you about. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's cool to watch. It's please watch. It ends in a fantastic way. Now, the last thing I want to talk about in, in this, in this show is something called blue oblivion. Now, something about me, I love a fake drug in movies and TV. I love a fake fucking drug. V from true blood. Slow-mo from the Judge Dredd remake, Scat from The Faculty, Zydrate from Repo, the, the genetic opera. I love fake fucking drugs. And this show has a fake drug called Blue Oblivion. This is done by the people who were previously deceased uh, 
and it's typically done as a form of protest. Now, in this show, when the zombies skip their medication for about 24 hours, it causes them to go rabid. Now, what this means is they go back to the state that wants to eat people, that wants to eat brains. So they're no longer like they can no longer fit into society. I mean, if you take your medication and you, you know, if you miss a dose and you go rabid, you can still get your medication and go back to quote unquote normal. However, blue oblivion makes you go rabid and they the zombies use it as a form of protest. They'll go into a crowded area, they'll take blue oblivion so they can start attacking people. And this is something that happens later on throughout the show. Uh, more and more of them take blue oblivion so they can sort of establish their dominance over regular people because they no longer want to conform. Blue oblivion, fantastic addition to this show. It uh, it it adds a level of it adds a level of horror that I really wasn't expecting. It's these zombies who are back into society and like even though they're shunned, they're still doing their part. However. They take Blue Oblivion and they show you exactly who who is the threat here. And it's fantastic. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's like I said, it's in the flesh. It's on Hulu. It's been on there for years. Give the first two episodes a shot. Give the first two episodes a shot. I really think it's going to be right up your alley if you like zombies. And if not, it's a short show. Give the first season a shot. It's three episodes. If you don't like it, you don't got to continue it. But I feel like you're gonna. And I'm gonna wrap all of this up now. And I want to say thank you so much. If you've got this far and you've listened to everything that I've had to say, I want to thank you so much for listening to that introduction. I want to thank you so much for listening to these recommendations of zombie content. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this ride of my podcast. Fuck you, Hexed. Fuck you, Hexed. Fuck you, Hexed. Fuck you. Hexed? Okay, I'm probably cutting that out. But um, <laughs> I think next week I'm probably going to be doing a movie review. And me and Anthony are going to... We're going to discuss a movie or something. And we'll see, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But this is Jerome. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Coming to get you, Barbara. Gone. Gone the form of man, rise the demon, Etrigan.